Hello, everyone, and welcome to Init Cyber, the podcast for everything cybersecurity related for both new and veteran IT professionals. Learn about new and upcoming technologies while we talk about all the new threats that they might bring. Join us as we discuss a wide range of topics like programming, forensics, malware analysis, reverse engineering, secure systems administration, and many others. I'll be your host, Bartimus. Hey everyone. Um, so today we are going to have a uh, conversation that I had with a with a buddy of mine um, regarding the SolarWinds hack. So we had some issues with Anchor throughout the thing. So there's a few drop-offs and everything. I've tried my best to splice everything together, but it's pretty much just going and talking about um, kind of the initial reactions to what happened in SolarWinds. So uh, I hope you guys all enjoy it. Okay, so um, we are going to be talking about the SolarWinds hack tonight. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to introduce uh, hi, yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Tim. I like cyber things, and uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it about me. Uh, some of your qualifications. Oh, qualification. I'm 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 certainly Service. not qualified Just to do the, much. Yeah. Uh, however. I do hold certifications um, such as CEH, GCIH, GCFE, GCFA, GPEN, and uh, things of that nature. I guess the easiest thing to start off with is uh, when it first came out, um, what was your uh, what was your reaction when you first heard uh, FireEyes, you know? Um, pointing the finger. So initially there was um, just across all my social media, there was a lot of um, a lot of people sort of arrogantly laughing. That, that was my first impression. Like, haha, fire, I got owned. And they charge all this money. And I was like, oh. hey, uh, let's take a step back and look at this. Um, these, they're reporting that they got owned by a very sophisticated actor according to them. Then additionally, they were saying um, that their red team tools, they were very open. That was my big thing is they were quite open and they were the first one to break the story. So the people were just really sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, reacting with a little bit of disdain. Uh, my feeling, my gut feeling was if FireEye is coming out with this, this is going to be huge. And then, um, the Department of Treasury and DHS bombs started dropping in the news. And I was like, okay, this is why. And up to, you know, Solar Winds revealing that up to 18,000 of their customers had been breached by this uh, supply chain attack. So my, yeah. my initial sort of thought was pretty much anything with any breach is, okay, there's going to be hype here how much hype and how actually serious is it? But of course, when FireEye is telling people that they got breached, I knew that the severity was not going to be small back again. Okay. Welcome back. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll have to splice it together. Uh, we were rudely booted by uh, anchor software apparently. Yeah. I, I just did a speed test just to make sure that I wasn't actually uh, the cause of this. Um, I'm rocking plenty of down up, so it shouldn't have happened. No, it was probably the Russians. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, the Chinese but, now. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I well, well we'll get into that uh, in in a couple. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I actually I was just reading up on all that as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd say that this is probably by far the first time I've 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 seen a company get pwned, not because of lack of security or not because of a failed patch or not because of you know I, like FireEye, uh, they they got pwned strictly because of a piece of software that was supposed to be trusted. And the fact that they found it is actually pretty, you know, is pretty unique. I mean, granted it, it came, you know, it had to do with a few of the, the uh, after effects of the people that pwned them. But um, yeah, I, I just thought, I thought that was like kind of unique compared to um, a lot of the recent years hacks that we've seen. Yeah. But um, so, so I guess the next thing that goes into is, um, What's your thought on, do you think it was actually uh, SolarWinds now after reading some of the other reports uh, about people that have been pwned, same, same actors and not don't even own SolarWinds? I mean, uh, I know that actors, once they find, I mean, there's a reason why the MITRE attack framework and the kill chain is in place. Once uh, human, uh, there's always a human behind something and we're creatures of habit to some degree or another. So if it worked at one place, they're going to probably try and work it another, uh, another place. And of course the, the things, there are things that are not clear, right there that haven't been clarified mm -hmm. completely. Um, I haven't been able to find anything that says exactly the methods that were used to compromise solar winds. There's, some speculations out there. There's some things out. Uh, for instance, there was, it would, they say it's unrelated at this point. Um, but they're one of their front end, um, I believe GitHub code repositories. The password to it was a uh, solar winds one, two, three. Yeah. So that's, there's some poor hygiene there. Um, but I haven't seen the details of how they got in. Um, my, my guess would be client side. Usually that's how people get in and maneuver their way around. So there was client side attacks can be easy to detect, but they also can really get by you depending on how noisy your network is and how closely people are looking. The, it's, it sort of worries me that there's a lot that we don't know, especially from the Microsoft angle, like Microsoft security team did a great job of sort of breaking down exactly how the attack worked. And they, they had some really good articles and blogs that they put out there about this, but they've been a, a little bit more closed lipped. And I understand it obviously from the corporate um, profit making back to what we were talking about. Um, I guess the thing that worries me is sort of what we don't know. We don't know, the complete details of how solar winds itself was compromised, uh, like down to mm -hmm. the method. Uh, the other thing is that Microsoft is, they've been very open when their analysis, their security analysis of how the, uh, the breach itself worked and how the attack worked, but they've been very tight lipped about um, the code that was exposed um, they've been like, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing of consequence. Well, you know, I heard that in the Wizard of Oz, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I, I think, I mean, 
you know, with the way companies are nowadays and everything, we probably, I'd say we probably will never know um, the exact uh, details of the beginning of it. Um, like I said, the, cr the crazy part, though, that, that kind of hit me was that, you know, people that were with having the exact same IOCs in their network that, that they found um, that didn't have a SolarWinds product. And it came down to that. It seems like uh, it, that goes into like the SAML tokens and stuff with, uh, with Microsoft uh, doing their things. Um, Microsoft Office seemed to have been pwned is what people are saying now. Uh, the, the Office 365, you know, their whole cloud suite or whatever. But it seems to me that uh, the fact that people that don't own SolarWinds have these people, the same attackers in their network, uh, that maybe we're, maybe the SolarWinds portion is just the, you know, secondary or tertiary effects and not the actual uh, beginning of it. Um, yeah, and that kind of goes down to, I don't know if you remember hearing about the, uh, what was it? Um, people that make pie charm, jet brains, right? Um, it, it was said that jet brains actually, their code base, right? Was their, their actual uh, IDE that is used to program was pwned. And that if SolarWinds used that to write their code, it's possible that they could have gotten in that way. Um, but yeah, the, the, the implications know. of that is, is interesting um, because there's been this huge push from the IT and cyber communities writ large to say, Hey, stop distrusting open source, stop distrusting open source. But if it comes out that the initial infection vector was something that was open source, I mean, there's there's going to be so many, you know, old curmudgeons that are going to be just, oh, well, back to vendor software. I mean, but but it's not safe because the vendors are going to use open source to do their stuff. Um, I guess the the whole what point what the biggest thing that I see is that tracing this down is not good. It, it's shifting the whole paradigm where tracing this whole thing down is going to be nearly impossible because of the, the amount of interconnectedness around like this company is connected to that company. And this company uses this company's tool and this company uses all these open source things and, and trying to trace it down is going to be nearly impossible because if you're seeing IOCs in a company that didn't have solar winds installed, but next thing you look like, where are their relationships, right? What, what is, what are they interconnected to? Are they interconnected in the cloud to some other company and that company got pwned and it was just a matter of passing tokens and gaining access through those channels. So really where it started, if it did start with uh pie charm and, and, but look at the spider effect. The interconnectedness of networks is what made this possible. So there's a lot of people that are going to, I think, maybe move more toward physically segmenting themselves again, if that's the case. Yeah. And I mean, how you're talking about with that, there was a, it's a quote from the redmondmag.com is uh any resource which trusts a customer's compromised SAML token signing certificate should be considered at risk. 
the SAML attack is not specific to any particular identity system or identity vendor you use. It impacts any vendors on-premises or cloud identity system and any resource that depends on industry standard SAML identity federation. Um, so, I mean, like you're saying, like it, the, the, uh, just the whole, I, I mean, the way the internet is, is built um, with these, these trusts that have been put together on, on, on different products using SAML to, to do single sign on and all of that uh, seems that it, it probably is extremely widespread. And I, I mean, if anything, I, I was, I actually was thinking about it earlier today was that it, we might actually be thankful that they made that mistake. Right. Because I mean, how many people really before this took a look at their solar winds configs? I mean, I, I know I sure did because uh, one of the things that, you know, I do on the regular is just wherever I'm at, if I have access, I'm going to look at network traffic and see what's flying around. And if you have solar winds in your environment, oh man, that thing is noisy. So it'd be very, I mean, it's almost a perfect uh, infection vector. Even if you have like a Nessus scanner on the inside of your environment, if you can get as an adversary, if you get hooks into something like that, I mean, moving around the environment, many places whitelist those tools. They're like, well, you yeah, know, I, it's just noisy. We'll whitelist it. And it's a perfect way to move around the environment and really start and be able to go hide in the noise. Then once you pivot, you can live. You, if you're advanced enough, you live off the land. And once you have domain, that's it. Game over. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I think that also is the part where, I mean, so, so once again, like if, if we hadn't even figured out about this, right. I mean, how many people would have still had their solar wind stuff, you know, running perfectly and not even ever looked at it because, you know, I mean, it's solar winds, it's, it came from a reputable company, so it should be trusted. So, I mean, when you look into kind of the future of how you're going to start integrating new products into your enterprise and all of that, um, I mean, should you think companies go out and you pen test or, you know, go through and actually audit the code that, that they're putting in their environment? I mean, it, it seems like that would be the right thing to do. But I think nowadays, you know, it's one of those things that's like, oh, the security vendor said that this was good or whatever. And uh, we, we can add it to our network. Look what it can bring. But I mean, who's auditing their code? Absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, that's the one thing I've just, you know, since I've looked through uh, solar wind stuff some some of the things that have been out there and i mean just some of the stuff solar ones does is like even if they weren't hacked it's like why would you do this you know absolutely <laughs> like, absolutely <laughs> like, like, like what are you doing like there there's just there, there's so many insecure things libraries they're using that that seems like um like i said like we should kind of be thankful that that this kind of came out because it, i think it opens up that 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 conversation to you know just just because you have a bunch of stuff on your network, security products, non-security products, you know, network management, whatever it is, doesn't help your network necessarily. Absolutely. If anything, it harms you. Yeah. And um, and that's more noise. That's my biggest thing is, yeah. is if I, if I can go and look at traffic on a network and it's very sparse, I'm not going to be like, Oh, well, man, they're not doing anything. I say this network has properly baselined and segmented itself. And it has only, the traffic, 
the trap anything that leaves the host is purposefully leaving it and, mm-hmm. and it's very rare to find there are instances out there it's very rare to find um to just to sort of pivot i i wonder about your thoughts on how FireEye detected it because there were techniques that they that this adversary was using to uh bypass multi-factor um and they've been reported on however it was a multi-factor audit that caught this not really an audit but someone got a notice saying hey this person is is uh requesting a multi-factor uh renewal token and i'm guessing that they asked this person like hey did you request the token and they said no and that's I, th- I think that's key a couple different things is hey you have to look at the right stuff you have to always be looking at your stuff don't ignore your alerts pare down the noise but don't ignore your alerts and then be willing to not raise the alarm but at least ask a question a lot of people are just sort of satisfied like something pops up and they make an assumption about it yeah i mean that's okay and then they don't ask the question they don't want to be bothered to reach out to someone or I mean, don't be scared if you see something to reach out and it's like, Hey, I saw something weird. Do you know about it? And, you know, maybe someone snaps at you or like, I'm whoever you ne- don't ignore things like that. If you just start ignoring stuff, that's how these things get so widespread. They go off the fact that people are just going to sort of trust that, yeah, nothing bad's going to happen today. And here we are. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, I'm guessing that the way uh, FireEye went about it afterwards, you know, is they, you, you take, so they, they figured out that somebody else was using a token that they, that they didn't give or that wasn't um, supposed to be used. So from there, right that does set them on alert after they figure out that, Hey, they, they got confirmation. Oh no, I, that wasn't mine. You know? So, okay. Well, something's weird. So go into, you, you go into that kind of like the sock monitoring phase, right. With, uh, you know, now that there's actually an elevated, uh, there's an elevation uh, inside your network, you need to, you need to figure out what it is. Right. And they probably, I mean, eventually if you think about it, they went through and they probably saw, I'm sure they have, at least somewhat decent logging at FireEye. Um, One would hope they do if they could find. Yeah. Um, but they probably, you know, saw those domains that were getting reached out to um, that, that, that have been in the reports. Um, and from there, you know, it's just kind of a, after you know, something's amiss, it's, if you have logging, once again, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. If you have, if you have the tools, the right tools on your network, um, then it is actually easier to then, you know, figure out, okay, this is, we don't know what the site is. Let's go find that. Oh, you start poking around at the sites that, that were visited in those logs. You see that, that, well, I, I forget what the domain is. It's like AV, AVSVM or something like that, um, whichever one they're using. Uh, and it's like, we don't know who owns that. Let's figure out, um, go through and look at it. And, and then I'm guessing, well, who, what program made that call, right? Oh, well, SolarWinds made that call when it was, and I mean, from there, it kind of gets unraveled backwards. But uh, the thing is, is like, you'd have to think that just really how much more um, 
was out there, right? Like, I'd be, you know, um, if, if, if I didn't think that there was probably, you know, other persistent threats possibly on a lot of these networks that were going on, um, the fact that, that this came up lets people actually go through and start looking um, into their networks and start seeing other anomalies, you know. So hopefully it's, it's a learning experience for everyone uh, going forward. But it's one of those things that's like, can you really trust anything now? I mean, if Microsoft itself was pwned, if SolarWinds was pwned, uh, who do you trust? Absolutely. And, and I think that almost loops back to this whole thing that a lot of people sort of been scoffing at, um, other than like people that really have the time, because it's always time, money, people, right? The, that's uh, not necessarily in that order, but those are usually... Um, your constraints in implementing yeah. something like a zero trust network. But this shows that, I mean, this is a great example of, Hey, I shouldn't be trusting and people are like, Oh, that just means that you don't trust anyone. No, it just means you don't trust a single packet and you don't trust a single bit that goes on, on your host. You have, you find a way to set yourself up to where you're validating everything. And it starts with a baseline. Unfortunately, if you have a supply chain compromise and you and, and that is your baseline, you're you're not going to find this. There's there's a certain point at which you're not going to find something like this. And then everyone, you come out looking like you have egg on your face. But me, honestly, I I don't like to sit there and go, oh well, those people are stupid. Like I doubt that anyone at Solar Winds is. Uh, is going to be a stupid person. Like they don't have the luxury of hiring people that aren't intelligent. Um, so that just shows you that the level, <laughs> the level of people that, that you have in companies like solar winds and FireEye, these things can get past anyone because of the, <laughs> the scope of these, of, of these networks and how detailed it is. One thing that I guess to uh, sort of pivot a little bit, one thing that sort of, has me is that FireEye released their reports and they were quite good in details. They gave us the indicators of compromise and sort of how things happened from the adversary perspective. But one of the things that I think could have been the most helpful that I haven't seen yet is them sort of detailing what their incident response process was. And maybe that's a secret sauce that they're going to try to sell to people. That's all well and good. However, like it's, that's, what I think about is like, okay, we've unraveled, you've unraveled how someone did this. The next is, is how did you unravel it? So now I, me, if I'm, let's say at a managerial level, now I see that and I'm like, that's a great model that I can fit in here. And I can go with, you know, my hands outstretched with an example of, Hey, I need people, time and money if we want to try at least attempt to prevent and detect something like this. Yeah. And I mean, sorry, I was, uh, I drank some water wrong and I started choking. Um, well, please don't yeah, die. No. Yeah, no. Um, it's, it's the rush. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it seems like the, I, I understand why they don't want to, 
give privy to you know some of their their things the way that they caught and stuff like that as it, as it might give an attacker also an insight into it but i i i definitely get what you're talking about with it's funny like you read these articles and like you said like they're pretty juicy they're in depth and then you're like but how did you get there no um and it's it's one of those things that's like if you're a company like that and you're, you, you can look at, I mean, Microsoft's write-ups, right? Like Microsoft write-ups are really good, but you can see them also uh, putting uh, advertisements in for their Windows Defender. Uh, and <laughs> Windows <laughs> Defender didn't catch it either. So <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it's funny. It's like now like, we, this is now shown in Windows Defender as this threat, blah, 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 blah. And it's like uh, Windows Defender comes with Windows. I don't see why they're trying to sell me it. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, threat but, hunting can't get itself untied from marketing, but it's natural yeah, life cycle. And that's one of the things that's like, you're, people will always attempt to make money off of everything. Uh, that's always how it is. Um, and it goes down to nobody could see this. Is there any product out there that would have been able to see this like that would have been that would have been able to put this you know two and two together and be like okay look this dll is calling out to a site and i don't i don't think there's a product out there that necessarily could i think i I mean granted you you could have uh i mean maybe hey if you're listening and you want to start a company or whatever it would be like have a product that goes out right and goes to these vendors and says look what sites does your software talk to, right? Um, and then you have a, you know, appliance on, on site somewhere that wherever the company is, and it, you load in almost a database of, look, it, what is all the software you're running? Okay, these are their trusted sites. If you see, you know, this domain come from this, this, this product, and it's not on this whitelist, then at least, you know, send me an alert or something. Let me know. Uh, I, I, I was going to like, how, how would you actually, you know, have detected this without the way they found out about it? Um, and and I, I don't think there is a product out there that actually does that. Honestly, I think the only way that uh, this would have been detected is uh, through very rigorous um, network whitelisting. I mean, for instance, it's not, it's not very scalable, but for me at home, whenever I onboard a new internet connected device, because, you know, I like my fancy things as well. Um, as much as, uh, I'm loath to put, you know, microphones in every room and all that, the convenience is just, um, great. I get, I'll, I'll sell my life away. All that being, all that being said is whenever I onboard a device, I filter traffic on my network. I put that device on and they almost always don't work. I have, I'll have my logs up and I'll be watching uh, DNS requests and uh, traffic go through and connections try to go through. And I will figure out just the items that I have to allow to let the device function. And from what we saw in how uh, this DLL worked and how this uh malicious software worked was that it just killed itself if it wasn't able to function so um Mm. i think that's really the only thing if it's something that has to communicate to a c2 server and it's trying to hide itself inside functioning software allow 
install that and I guess break it. Honestly, that's what you have to do. You have to break it and go over and over to whitelist. And whitelisting is a very manual, very lengthy process. But at the end of the day, you know what's going in and out. You have to. It also necks down the amount of stuff you have to look at. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's just kind of like, in the end, you know, as as we've seen, you know, people aren't going to, uh, it's not like everything's going to change overnight or anything. It's, it's kind of what, what can you, what, what ideas can you use to move forward and, you know, whitelisting, um, you know, security auditing of new uh, appliances that you bring into your network, all of that. It seems like the kind of the maybe things to take away from this. Uh, but it, I don't know. I, I think it's going to get a lot crazier, um, especially because you see Solar One stock drop. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, or not Solar Winds. Oh. Not Solar Winds. FireEye. Sorry. Fire oh Eye yeah! Immediately drop. once once they, yeah. I think, honest. No, today no, today it, it dropped like set. It dropped like seven percent or something like that because they uh, and they had a they had a positive earnings quarter. Interesting. Um, so it's like. It's like, yeah, it's like, what, like, do people, are people holding them responsible for something that they didn't really have any control over? Uh, and if that's the case, it's like, if anything, you know, you'd think that security type software, like what FireEye offers you um, appliance wise, your their yeah. stock would go up for something like this. Right. But apparently, yeah, no, it, it took a hit today. Uh, that was actually pretty recent too. I, I was okay. Before yeah. I'm looking at the year to date um, right now and I'm seeing that, uh, but from uh, January, I mean, they started out at like 21 and they went up and there's been a sort of almost steady decline. And then today it really sort of. Yeah, seven and a half. Yeah, but there there was a tick up right after this. And then it seems that they went they've gone. They went down to like 21 and then they're back up to 2170, it looks like. And mm, yeah, 2007 today. Um, I mean, these things happen. Also, I'd be interested to see if maybe after a little bit, people might be trying to do another short squeeze. I mean, you never know. The, head fund, the hedge funds will always go for it. <laughs> they'll, they'll try to find probably the next spot that no one's going to be looking for them to squeeze. I do have a, but... I guess one point is is um, with the SAML token passing and putting your network and services in the hands of a cloud provider um, as much as it really plays to availability. Um, if you look back in uh, the end of 2017, there was, you know, the, the national security agency had unsecured AWS S3 buckets out there that you could, that people grab data from. And, it just points to the fact that these cloud providers are almost sometimes hamstring the people that they're providing services to by not letting them secure their own stuff. And in the instances where they're allowed to secure their own stuff, there's failures such as that. Um, but that, that just sort of points out the, that sort of dichotomy that you, you can, I get this service and availability, but at the same point in time, 
I've got this sort of exposure now and I can't look at my own stuff as well as I want to. Yeah. And I mean, it comes into a, there's, you know, you, you make a, you give up your control by using, you know, Federation trusts uh, and you, you, I don't know if you kind of look at it like in, like an insurance, right. Is like, you're, you're, you're passing the risk off. It seems like to, to Google. Right. So it's like, let's say that you use Google single sign on for your stuff. Um, it's like me as a developer, right. If, if, something gets broke, I don't have to host that database on, on, on my, I, I don't have to host the, the, the main authentication on my, on my service. I can let Google host that for me and, and use them to, to do all of the authentication processes. Uh, it seems like that, you know, most people, once again, it's like, Oh, they're a reputable co- company. You know, I'm sure they're doing everything right. Well, as we've seen, are they? Are they doing everything right? Because apparently, not every other company does everything right. So I guess that kind of goes into people. Companies should probably look before you know even trusting someone else with authentication because, like you said, because it's easier or because it's you know maybe they just want to try to mitigate risk. It's like, well, are you really mitigating risk if the people that you're using aren't? doing what they're supposed oh, yeah. to be doing properly. Yeah. So I hope you guys all enjoyed um, just that little introduction to the subject. More than likely, we're probably going to have a part two just because there's there's a lot of um, stuff that keeps getting unraveled with this hack. So we'll probably talk uh, more about the new actors that they've seen in place, some of the other threats that have been found out during this time. But we'll try to get that one hopefully by next week uh, uploaded and ready to go for you guys. Um, Thanks for checking it out.